Now we're ready to go. Again, I'm Eddie Passmore, and along with this crew here, from we left Kiawana yesterday, and it was wet there, but it wasn't snowy there, and uh, came up, and it's beautiful. I've been through Tehachapi many times, never seen it with snow, so it was great. And uh, thanks for having us up here and treating us well so far. Um, hope you continue to do that. And uh, But it is good to be here. Um, Mexico Caribbean Ministries is a mobilization ministry. That means we bring uh, high school, college, and adults from all over the United States um, for usually a week or a weekend experience. And it's a cross-cultural experience. We bring them in, and we want them to experience what it is not to know the language a little bit, to be eating food that's a little different. Um, and then we teach on missions. We, uh, um, that is a reason that we bring people in. And we have um, teachers from a Myself and other people, most of them are from a um, training school called Radius International, and they come in and teach along with me, and, and really uh, trying to see um, high school, college, and adults understand God's heartbeat for the lost. And you saw that in the video, and um, there's this redemptive act going from Genesis all the way to Re- Revelations, and we first see it in Genesis 3.15, where God tells the serpent, your head's going to be crushed. His heel, meaning the Messiah, is going to get bruised, but it's going to crush your head. And that is the thread that goes from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And that's what we teach there, and we're excited about being there. Uh, There are 3,100 language groups with nothing of the Bible, no pastors, no missionaries, no translation, no Christians... And they need to hear. Since you got here, uh, left for church today, over 2,000 people have died um, in that area of the 3,100. And some people say, Eddie, you shouldn't say that because that makes people feel guilty. And uh, I won't apologize that for that. I want you to understand the need for people to hear and for us to go. And we'll talk more about that as the message uh, unleashes this morning. And so just want you uh, to know where we're headed from with the video and a little bit of that. So glad that you're here. Um, hope that you listen well. I, d- I will tell you that um, about six weeks ago I had a stroke. And, uh, um, and someone this morning said, man, I'm really glad it was minor. And, and uh, I, I am too. But I've used that word and um, my wife was not happy with me, and especially after my neurologist rebuke me in front of my wife. That's never a good thing to have somebody rebuke you in front of your wife. He says, Eddie, I don't want you to use the word minor stroke. You had a major stroke. You're just really fortunate that nothing major has happened. So I'm here. I'm functioning. I'm speaking. But if I forget something and make mistakes, I just had brain damage and just go along with it. And, and so that is my ploy, and I've been using that for a long time. So, um, But I'm doing good, doing healthy. A lot of people ask how I'm doing. And other than... Um, you know, I might forget something, but that's normal anyway. So uh, hang with me this morning. Let me pray with you, and we'll get going. Father, thank you that you love us. Thanks that you care about us. Thank you for your word and the strength of it and the reality of it and the truth of it. And use it, use it in our lives this morning. Uh, please uh, convict us, encourage us, correct us, and guide us uh, to your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in uh, Acts most of the time, and I'm going to keep referring to Acts. I'll move around a little bit, but uh, if you have the paper, it's called Lessons from the Acts of the Apostles. And this morning, I'm going to give you four out of the 
hundreds that are in Acts. I've been studying through Acts for the last month and a half and reading and using it as my devotional life, but I really want us to focus on just four lessons that I've gained with that. Um, Acts, the book of Acts, furnishes us with the principles, principles of missionary work. And it starts there in Acts to give us the principles that we live by today, many churches. It also reveals the pattern for churches. And your church, a lot of the things that the body of Christ has as patterns comes from Acts. Also, what Acts has is an incredible archaeological accuracy. And uh, it's proven so much as the archaeologists have come in and studied and looked around. Acts is proven over and over again to be correct and true. Uh, it also talks about 30 years of Christianity in the book of Acts. Um, the books of Acts used to be called the Act of the Apostles or the Act of the Holy Spirit. And it had two titles. Now we just call it the book of Acts. But the Act of the Apostle and the Holy Spirit. So I want to jump in uh, right away to the four lessons I want to have us get this morning from the Acts of the Apostle. The first one is that we need to buy into his commands. And you can fill that in as we go along. We need to buy into his commands. In Acts 1.8, it says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest parts of the world. And I just want to take a little sideline right now. As they translated that, and as other people translate that into other language, um, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria were literal cities. They were not figurative. They weren't just allegories. They were figurative. There are Christians in Judea. There's Christians in Samaria and Judea. And we like to use that sometimes. Say, well, Tehachapi is my Jerusalem, and Bakersfield is Samaria. No, um, <laughs> could be. Anyway, and you can name other ones. But that's a wrong humanetics of, of, of using that. That's just a wrong way of looking at that. They were literal cities. But what's true also is literally we still need to go to the unreached. There's 3,100 language groups. That comes into a number of about 2.5 billion people that have not heard the name of Jesus Christ. And so we need to buy into his commands. And there's other commands that he's given us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. And that word is te-ethne. And uh, people groups or language groups. And we just told you there's 3,100 unreached of those baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And surely, Jesus says, I will be with you always. And then we already looked at Acts 1.8. And then March 16, 15, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And then in Luke 24, 45-48, Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures he told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the third day on the third day, and repentance of the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name um, to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are the witness of these things. And then John 20, 21, the Father has sent me, as the Father has sent me, so I send I you. Um, excuse me, I put King James in there, sorry. Um, that's old age for me. But um, he says, as I'm sending you, as the Father has sent me. 
And so here are some of the commands. We need to buy into them. And the way we do that, we need to listen to them. That was what the L is for. Listen to them. Hear them. You're hearing them this morning. We need to listen to them. Second of all, we need to know them. Put them into memory. I would challenge each of you in this room. This is your homework for the next week. Memorize all those scriptures that are on that paper right there that I gave you. That's what I would, not all of them, but this, the command ones. Memorize them. Put them in the memory. And then the other one, the O, is obey them. Obey them. Do what he says. And let me tell you, I agree with John Piper who says these is the three things about missions that the body of Christ um, is responsible for. First of all is to go, send, and the third option is to disobey. And I believe that we need to go. Some of you are young, vibrant, your high school, college, young adults that can learn two languages, get out there, do those things. And some of us are a little bit older. And like I like to say, my wife hates this, that I'm on the downhill slide. And, um, you know, I got maybe 20 years of healthy, hopefully healthy ministry left ahead of me. And some of you can relate with me. Some of you can relate with me a little bit more because you're a little older than I am. But some of you are a little bit younger. But we're on the downhill slide. But we have things to offer. You, some of you have had businesses that have been successful and you can offer that to these young people who are going to go plant um, Caleb um, Owens. His goal is hopefully to take a business degree into a country and start a business. Some of you can come alongside and teach him how to do that and help him and come visit him and say, this is how you need to start your business and be there for him. Some of you can write checks that we can't write. Some of you can pray, some of you are prayer warriors, and pray the way that we can't and be praying for us out there. So we either go, send, and the other option is disobedient. And body of Christ, let's not be disobedient. So we need to buy in the commands by listening to them, knowing them, put them into memory, please, and obeying them. Do what he says. I grew up in a youth group. We had the, probably the largest youth group in Southern California, maybe in the United States, but at least Southern California. We had about 700 high schoolers on a pretty basic uh, uh, Wednesday night. And we would come, it was during the Jesus movement, and my youth pastor, Pastor Vaughn, was known throughout the United States. In fact, Billy Graham tried to get him to come and be part of the youth crusade. He said, no, I'm going to stay in San Diego. And, uh, and he said, can I send guys to you to find out how you do youth ministry? He says, oh, or I can just tell you on the phone. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, let me just tell you my philosophy. And they said, okay. He says, this is what I tell my youth. Read God's word, do what it says. Because that's my whole youth philosophy. And that's why we have a big youth group. Read God's word, do what it says. And that's what we need to do. We need to read God's word, do what it says. We need to listen, know, and obey. You will be eaten by cannibals. That's what was told to John G. Patton. He was going to an area called New Hebrides, which we now know as Vanuatu. He went with his wife, his first wife, and he buried her there. He buried five children there. He was told, you will be eaten. And Mr. Dickinson, an elder in his church, exploded at him. Young man, the cannibals, you will be eaten by cannibals. And Mr. Dickinson remembered history because in uh, Vanuatu or New Hebrides, 
everybody that was going there was getting beaten and eaten. Okay? They were cannibals. They would beat them over the head with a club and then eat them. And it says, that's what's going to happen to you. And they knew that two people that had went to the same island he was going to 19 early, years earlier died that way. And then John Patton stood up and said, Mr. Dickerson, you are advanced in years now. And your own prospect is soon to be laid in a grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring our Lord Jesus, it will make no difference for me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or eaten by worms. And in the great day of the resurrection, my body will rise and be as fair as yours in the likeness of our Lord and Savior. Why he was in uh, New Hebrides, his second wife and him saw this whole island come to believing faith in Jesus Christ. And he bought into the commands. He listened to them. He put them to memory. More than that, he obeyed them. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how you are in the body of Christ other than if you're a Christ follower, we need to do those two things. We need to go or send. We need to be about buying into his commands. The second lesson that we get is believe in the gospel. Believe in the gospel. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. This is at Pentecost, and they um, sort of rumored they were drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. But listen to this. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus the Nazar- of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which you God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and with the help of of wicked men, you put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him, freeing him from the agony of the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. And then he goes on to say, listen to this. The Father promised by the Holy Spirit that he, um, that he um, would be at the right hand of God. And then at the end, in chapter 9, verse 3, Chapter 3, verse 9. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Who is he? That's the W. Who is he? He's our Savior, the Messiah. Who is he? Jesus, the Messiah. And John MacArthur said this, this quote I want you to hear. Well, the question is, who is Jesus Christ? He is, history we record, the most captivating the most influential person ever lived, the most studied, the most examined, the most written about, sung about, discussed, discussed about person ever. And even after 2,000 years, the interest of Jesus Christ, there is no waning in the curiosity of people about him. There is, however, confusion and a lot of deception and doubt. Now, confusion and deception or doubt about Jesus might be a slight inconvenience convenient to human curiosity. It just might leave a little gap in our understanding of the important people in history. Except for one very important matter. Jesus claimed that the whole human race is dead 
in sin and headed for eternal hell, and He is the only Savior. He is the only one who can produce forgiveness, who can bring around true peace, joy in life, eternal blessing in the life to come. He is the only one who can take you to heaven that takes this individual out of the realm of curiosity and puts him in a critical category. Critical in the sense that it is absolutely essential to deal with his claims. These are astonishing claims that he made and they demand an honest look at him because he says our eternal souls are at stake. Whether you spend forever is an issue here and you will live somewhere where forever, either heaven or hell. He says, listen, believe in the gospel. Who is he? Jesus the Messiah. We need to understand that. We need to grab that. And then, what did he do? What did he do? He became our substitute. He became sin on our behalf. He became real atonement for those who believe. He said, listen, Jesus the Messiah what did he do? We, remember that picture of the earth? It was all nice and then turned black. We could never do that. You could come to church until you're blue in the face. You can get involved in every helping thing. But you could not pay the price that is due. Only Jesus could do that. He was a substitution for us. And why did he do it? God's will. So there on the W, going along, who is he? The Messiah. What did he do? He became sin on our behalf. And why? It's God's will. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, get this, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. I just want to go sideline here. Ambassadors. A representation of Jesus. That's what an ambassador is, if they represent the United States and Colombia or um, Mauritania or someplace else. But we are ambassadors. Just freak people out. Think about this for a minute. You're an ambassador. So next time you're sitting with somebody, maybe on a plane, I get to fly a lot. You're flying with them. Just turn over and say, what do you do? I'm an ambassador. Just tell them. And they'll get a little, a little weird, especially if you're riding southwest because um, it's cheap. But uh, why is an ambassador riding southwest? Um, say, I'm an ambassador. And then you get to tell them what you're an ambassador about. Isn't that exciting? Just freak them out. Just go up to somebody and say, I'm an ambassador. I love it. It's a great witness tool. Um, try it. See how weird they think you are, but that's okay. You get to say that. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. That though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. Man, why did he do it? Because God's will. And we are ambassadors of that. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We get to tell people of that. 
of those 3,100 language groups, we get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that who, a person that sits in the cubicle next to you that works. Or a student that sits in a desk next to you. You get to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation. You get to be an ambassador. What an exciting thing. On the board, on the board of Radius International, it's a training school that's taking um, people that had their degrees, that's been trained, that have Bible behind them, and a 10-month training, um, extensive training in uh, Mexico. There's actually two campuses in Mexico, and now we just started uh, Radius Asia. And it's taking the seven years when we started seven years ago, about 140 singles and couples have gone through that program. They believe the gospel. That's why they're going. Many of them have left um, six-figure jobs. They have left, one has left seven-figure job. He was an Exxon executive, and he gave it all away to go take the gospel someday. Some have left homes. Some have left family farms. Some have left grandparents and parents. And they're taking the gospel. Why? In fact, you have a young couple uh, from Radius in your congregation now. They'll be around. I challenge you to get to know them and love them and support them as God takes them somewhere. And um, why? Because they believe the gospel. Why? Who is he? Man, he's a savior. He's a messiah. What did he do? Man, he came, became sin on our behalf. Why? God's will. Because we're ambassadors. The third point is this. Be bold in your walk. Acts chapter 4, 13 through 31. We won't read it all. When they saw the courage, well, we might. When uh, we saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Again, let me just take a little side note. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Don't you want people to take note that you've been with Jesus? Don't you? By the time that you spend time in the Word in the morning and you let the Holy Spirit work in your life, don't you want people to take notice that you have been with Jesus? I I want that. I hope you want that too. We'll go on. But since they could see the men who had been healed, they healed a man, that's why the uproar, was there with them. There was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But we need to put a stop to this thing from spreading any further. We must warn them to speak no longer in Jesus' name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, What is right in God's eyes? Listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let him go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what has happened. And then in verse 23, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Be bold in your walk. We need to speak. That's the S. Speak. Tell the truth no matter what. Tell the truth no matter what. They were willing to speak it out. No matter the cost. No matter what would happen. Live 
for Jesus no matter the cost. Live for Jesus no matter the cost. Speak the truth no matter the cost, but live for Jesus no matter the cost. You guys, you know, people might think you're a little strange, but that's okay. People might get offended. I, I had a guy that I got to know a little bit. He was part of Jews for Jesus. And he said, you know, I worked with a bunch of Christians that never shared with me. And finally, somebody outside of work shared the gospel with me. I f- accepted Jesus. And then I went to them. I said, why didn't you ever share with me? And they said, well, we were afraid to offend you. And he said, you're offending me straight to hell. Because you were afraid to offend me. You were sending me straight to hell. And we need to speak the truth no matter what. And we need to live him for him no matter what. And then we need to die to self for kingdom matters. We need to die to self. Over and over, Jesus in Luke said, deny yourself daily, pick up your cross and follow me. It's denying daily. Ladies and gentlemen, every day we need to deny ourselves. It's a constant thing that we need to do. Deny ourselves, follow Jesus. Deny ourselves for kingdom matters. We need to be about kingdom matters, not just our matters. Stinley was a young man who was going to Bible school in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. And he came from that area. And after he graduated, he went to a place called Mintawai, um, Indonesia, a little island. And the people there that lived on that island were inhabitants. They were into witchcraft, animism, and they blended it in with Islam. And that's who he went up against. And he started taking the gospel. And he spoke the truth out no matter the cost. And he lived uh, for Jesus no matter the cost. And s- people started getting saved. And people started giving their life to Jesus. And one, they started burning their idols and, and what they were worshiping. And one of the men burned his idol. And the idol was wrapped in part of the Quran. And somebody found out and turned uh, Stinley into the um, police. And they brought him in and took him to jail and they beat him really hard and the director of the bible school back in jakarta found out so he took a plane flight and went over there and he got to the jail to see stinley and they said he's not here he's in prison so he found the prison and was and and when he found stinley he was in a coma and they could he could hardly recognize him he was beaten so bad and he prayed with him and stinley died when he went back to the bible school he shared that with the students that were there now graduating next. Seven of them raised their hand and said, we'll go to that island. He went, it got word back to his home village uh, where Stanley lived. And 53 people in his village said, now we will go to Bible school. And two of those with his sister and his mother. And when his mother graduated, she says, I'm going to the same island where my son died. And someone came to Stanley's mom and says, aren't you afraid to die? And she goes, why should I be? Why should I be? Because I'm going to speak the truth no matter what. I'm going to live for him no matter what. And I'm going to die to self for kingdom matters. And that's where I'm going. That's being bold in your walk. We need to be bold in our walk. And the last one is be aware that the Spirit lives in you. Be aware that the Spirit lives within you. Acts 4.8. Let me get there. Thank you. 
Actually, I don't have Acts 4.8. Acts 6.3. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, whom they might be put in charge of this task. That's when they were um, feeding the um, widows. And then Acts chapter 11, it says, The news of of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God did, and he was glad and encouraged them there all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You start seeing this, full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 9, we see a man named Ananias um, departed and entered a house after laying hands on Saul, who became Paul, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road while you were coming has sent me so you will remain, uh, regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, 9. But Saul, who had been known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his glaze on, gaze on him. Now 4, 8. Now we, I have 4, 8 here. Excuse me. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. Acts 6, 5. Um, Acts seven fifty five. excuse me. But being filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And that was at Stephen's um, death. Full of the Holy Spirit. That Greek word there, if you take it all the way back to when Jesus did the miracles of the bread and fish, and he took it and blessed it, he told them to pick it up, right? And so when they picked it up, they filled the word said they filled 12 baskets full, meaning it was, they were flowing out of it. It was coming out of it. That's the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It needs to be flowing out of us. And we see that, first of all, that the Holy Spirit was promised to us. It was promised to us in the Gospels that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would come. So the Holy Spirit's promised to us. And the next one is this pre- present with us at salvation. It was promised to us, and the Holy Spirit is promised at salvation. When you came in faith and believing in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came in you. Do you get that? I'm asking you that question. Do you get that the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, lives in me? Do you get that? Well, you should. Because let me tell you why. Because you were dead, but now you're alive. Do you get that? You were blind, but now you see... You were in bondage, but now you're free. You should get that, that at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in. Because now, you can freak people out. Just go up to, just like the ambassador thing, go up to somebody and just shake their hand and say, do you know I was dead? Just let them linger a little bit. But said, now I'm alive. Do you know that I was in bondage, but now I'm free? I was blind, but now I see. Exciting stuff. You can get a little Pentecostal right now. It's okay. I give you permission. That's exciting stuff. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. It's a promise, and it's present in salvation, and it's power for us to be his witnesses. It's power for us to be his witnesses. Do you remember that in Acts 1-8 that I just read? But you'll receive power. That word power is dumas in the Greek. Miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. And that word witness is martyr, where we get the word martyrdom from. You'll lay your life down for me because the Holy Spirit's in you. And you will have power. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of wimpy Christians. Because we don't get that. And, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes I believe I'm a wimpy Christian. And I forget 
that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And I can say, listen, I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was blind, but now I can see. I was in bondage, but I'm free. And we need to get excited about that, and it needs to make a difference. Because we need to be aware that the Spirit lives within us. And that it is promised to us, it is present at salvation, and it's power for us to live it out every day. I'm going to close with this. Bob Pierce, who is, uh, was a founder of World Vision and also Samaritan Purse. Some of you might not might remember him, but he founded those two um, great ministries. In fact, our team's going down tomorrow to help with Samaritan Purse to put a bunch of things in a shoebox and hand it out to not send it out to kids, and it's going to go all over the world. Um, but he was also a preacher for Youth for Christ, and he was friends with Billy Graham, and uh, they did, um, did crusades together, and they shared together uh, different times. But he had a chance. Someone came to him and was going to do a crusade in China, and this man could not make it. And he came to Bob and said, Would you go to Shanghai, China, and um, preach for me instead? He said, sure, I'd love to. And then the man said, oh, by the way, you've got to get your way there. They're not paying your way. And he goes, okay. And Bob was going, my family has no money. I have no money. We, we basically live off support. I don't know how that's going to happen. And then he felt the Holy Spirit saying, Bob, you're going. He goes, okay, I'll go. And so he decided to take, he had a couple weeks before he had to take off. So he took... Um, some things into his own hands, and he got his team with Youth for Christ, some people that sang with him when he preached, and he took off and he did some talks up in Northern California, was hoping to raise enough money to get to Shanghai. But at the end of all things, he only had $380. He goes, that's not enough to get to Shanghai. And then he went to his father-in-law and said, what should I do? And he says, what's the Holy Spirit saying? He goes, well, I'm supposed to go. He goes, well, then go. Well, $380 is not enough to get me there. He goes, well, how far it will get you? He goes, I don't know. He goes, well, let's go find out. So they went to the airport. He says, to Honolulu. So he bought a ticket to Honolulu. He goes, I'll go that far. And then he called a friend that he was supposed to be um, doing something for, preaching for, and said, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to Shanghai. And he goes, he goes, yeah, you got the ticket to Shanghai? And he goes, no, I got the ticket to Honolulu. And he goes, are you trusting the Holy Spirit? And he goes, yes, I am. He goes, well, I'll call some of my business friends and some of the people, and we'll see what we can do. When you get to Honolulu, check the telegram. So then he called another friend who he knew was from the Philippines, and he said, hey, when you go to Honolulu, fly to Manila, and then I have a friend that owns a um, cargo plane um, business there, and see him, and he's a Christian. He'll love for you to speak for him. And so when he got to Honolulu, he went to the telegram office, and there was $500 there, enough to get to Manila. So he bought a ticket to Manila. And he goes, Holy Spirit, I'm just trusting you. This is what you want. And he got to Manila. And when he got to Manila, he was thinking, guy, who's on this plane? Because of all these reporters and people with cameras and um, waiting for him. And we, he waited to the very end because he didn't want to get in the hubbub of what was going on. So when he came out, they said, there he is. There's his picture. And the guy was holding his picture. And it says, there's Bob Pierce. And he was sort of freaked out. And they were taking pictures and people asking him questions. And then this man came up and says, um, I'm your friend's friend from Manila. And I own this company. 
And he goes, why, why are the reporters, why are they asking me questions? Why are they taking pictures? Because tomorrow you're preaching in front of the whole um, Chamber of Commerce here in Manila. And he did that, had some good results. And then he said, hey, I know you have about 10 days before you got to get to Shanghai. Would you do this for me? I have you set up to fly with my pilots, eight different pilots to eight different islands, and we have set up so you can go and preach at every one of those islands. And he did. And he goes, but the real reason I want you to do it is I want you to share the gospel with every one of my pilots who's not, they're not Christians. So he did that. After he got done, he came back to Manila. Then this guy put his arm around him and said, Bob, can I ask you a favor? I know you're probably really excited about flying in a nice commercial airline to Shanghai, and he didn't have the heart to tell him that he didn't have a plane ticket to Shanghai. He said, would you mind riding in my cargo plane with one more pilot that's not a believer and share the gospel with him? He'll take you to Hong Kong. So he did. When he landed in Hong Kong, he's still saying, God, I have two days to make it to Shanghai, and I still don't have any money. And as he was getting off the cargo plane, this pilot said, oh, my boss wanted you to have this, and he handed him in an envelope. And he says, see that limousine down there? That's taking you to a hotel. It was the nicest hotel in Hong Kong. And when he got there, he, he was still just sort of concerned, how am I going to get to Shanghai? And he forgot about this envelope, and he opened up the envelope and read the note from this businessman, and out th- fell $300, enough to get to Shanghai. And he went down and booked a plane. He got to Shanghai Thursday morning. The crusade started Thursday night. And what they say is 17,000 people came to know Jesus Christ during that crusade. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be aware that the Holy Spirit is in us. It's promised to us, it's present in us, and it's the power for us to be his witnesses. May we do so. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the truth of it. Take it, use it, um, use it in our lives today as we have conversations at home, as we have conversations this week at work and at school and around the people just to say we're ambassadors, that we were dead but we're alive. God, use our lives to make an impact in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.